As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to WRM, Work Relationships Matter. I am your host, The Edward Jones, a certified life coach and host of this podcast. My guest today is Daryl Roberts, the CEO of the Roberts Family Development Center. Welcome, Daryl. Thank you for letting me join you, Dr. Jones. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm glad that you're able to make time for me because you are one busy man. And you've done so many wonderful things in this community, very successful, a very respected name. But before we get into what you do, I want to learn more about who you are, how you were brought up, your family, and the things that have influenced your life. So go ahead and let us know a little bit about your background. Uh, Dr. Jones, I am Daryl Roberts, son of uh, Elizabeth and Herman Roberts Jr. Uh, grew up in New Orleans, uh, grandson of Edmund St. Cyr and his wife Elizabeth. Um, lived in New Orleans uh, the formative years of my life for 17 years. Uh, moved to Los Angeles for high school, junior senior year of high school, where I lived with Edmund and um, Elizabeth St. Cyr, my grandparents. Went to Chapman College as an undergraduate. Uh, USC as a graduate student and uh, moved to Sacramento, part of my graduate program in uh, 1982. So I've been in Sacramento a while now. Some people you used have. to think of me as a youngster, <laughs> not anymore. Right, but you know, that's always interesting. When mm-hmm. I, I've known you, when I was at Sac mm-hmm. State, you were on my yeah. Multicultural Center board. So that's yes, over, 15 mm. years, perhaps. 15 and, years ago, sure. Right, I appreciated that. And the thing that, and I've seen your different things, I did not know you from New Orleans, mm-hmm. the migration. Everybody's had a migration mm-hmm. that they've gone through. So, mm-hmm. it, and I've, I've been reading a lot of um, African-American history books and about mm-hmm. people migrating from uh, the South to different parts of the country. Right. So right. what was the uh, the catalyst for getting to move from New Orleans, from that LA to the Mm -hmm. other LA? So honestly, um, Louisiana uh, was uh, a place where a lot of foundation for me occurred. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, being originally from a two family household, but in my Mm -hmm. early years, my dad really wasn't very, a very good dad or very good husband, to be quite honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. Later on, as he grew and, and matured, 
it's kind of interesting. I always tell people, my dad, when I was growing up, wasn't the same dad I have today because he truly okay. did grow into a very strong man, a very religious man, uh, father of his church at Greater St. Stephen's Baptist Church in New Orleans. The other thing, Dr. Jones, I'll tell you, I can tell you, you, you didn't really talk to me much about where I was from because you said New Orleans, and I correct anybody very quick. That's no, New Orleans, bro. Not New Orleans. Okay. <laughs> but it's all right. And you would have picked all up right. that and said, oh, no, he don't, I eat from New Orleans. And um, <laughs> I really did uh, have, the, have the benefits of the South in a lot of ways. I think my ethics, uh, my work ethics was, uh, although my dad wasn't the best of fathers, he was always an example of a man that worked. So my work ethic comes honestly between him and my grandfather. And my right. grandmother and mother is very gracious and very kind people. So when people talk to me about being a kind or a generous person, I get that honestly from my mother and my grandmother. Uh, mm -hmm. And I get the work ethic from my grandfather and my, gra and my dad. So in okay. many ways, I'm the product of, of the environment where I grew up in. Uh, and very supportive environment, both in New Orleans that later, later transferred as the family moved in the early 60s to California. Uh, right. I moved to the, uh, to the California in the mid 70s uh, to finish mm -hmm. schooling, which is the reason I moved. I wanted to go okay. to college in California. And at that moment, I, I thought I wanted to go as an undergraduate to USC. So being a, being a resident of California was an advantage. And, you know, growing up in the South, you always talk about the advantages to, to moving places. So that was an advantage. Uh, ended up going to Chapman, uh, at that time, Chapman College, but later on Chapman University as an undergraduate, mm -hmm. but ended up going to USC as a graduate student. So okay. it really was about education. When, we, when I moved from New Orleans uh, to California, I saw the opportunities, even at an early age. Uh, and it made right. sense to me. And I liked the weather. Heck, you know, who, who didn't like the sunshine right. of, of Southern California? You know, or uh, although I probably would have moved to San Diego had I realized that's the, that's the, the optimum weather. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, moving to Cali Northern California was a change in a lot of ways, but I've been very... Uh, it's been a, a, a beneficial move for me. And for right. really the last 40, nearly 40 years, I've been here in Sacramento. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. excellent. Now, the, that I think about the Roberts Family uh, Development Center, mm -hmm. and that is your career. And the thing that I ask people is, did you choose your career or did mm -hmm. it choose you? Um. I, you know, it's a, I think it's a combination of both. In a way, I always wanted to be about being, I, I, you know, I took Dr. King's uh, terminology of being a change agent. Being mm -hmm. a change agent meant something to me. So, so being about change was always what I wanted to do. Even in college, you know, I got involved in student government and I was about mm -hmm. change. Came to right. um, Sacramento and uh, worked at the Capitol initially and really planned on being in the legislature. And it was just some aspect of the legislature I really didn't particularly like. Um, and I, and I, I kind of gravitated to the community. And the first community I gravitated to was Oak Park. And back in those days, I became an economic development consultant, which is part of my, the economic development was part of my background, governmental affairs uh, um, and, and education at SC. So I, I had this trade or training that I learned to state capital and I learned how to do economic development reports. And that's what I came to Oak Park doing. I, I was hired by a, a group out of Oak Park called Superior Valley. 
They had a contract to do economic development projects in Oak Park. I was their lead guy. And I ended up working there. And one day I started doing things outside of my job as an economic development person. And that ended up being spent off to running a basketball program, spent off to helping the Urban League do a, um, do a speakers bureau. And things like that started happening. And then in a way, I'm I, a combination of me gravitating to it and maybe the pull of doing community work was which prepared me for what I'm doing today. And, uh, you know, I spent almost 15 years prior to coming to Robert Stan Development Center preparing to run Robert Stan Development Center. And we've mm-hmm. been at it 20 years now uh, in North Sac Del Paso Heights, where we started. And we have a center here, uh, four buildings that we presently do our work. But we have contracts with, a, with three school districts where we do work on uh, maybe four or five school campuses, uh, mm-hmm. working with families. And that's the work of Robert Sand Development Center. It's really family oriented. Mm-hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, the name Robert Sand Development Center really wasn't our original name of the center. My wife's name is Tina, um, Tina Roberts. She's our COO at Robert Sand Development Center. But we also had made a decision that we were going to name the center after my grandfather, Edmund St. Cyr, and her grandmother, mm-hmm. Roni Howard. So the center mm-hmm. was first called the Edmund St. Cyr, Roni Howard Family Development Center. And that's what I took down to the Secretary of State's office when I filed papers to start this corporation. And the lady at the counter said, baby, what's the name? Edmund St. Cyr, Roni Howard Family Development Center. Who has Catholic <laughs> And she looked at me and, and she said, um, Let's call this something else. So I said, well, how about ESRH, the initials, Family Development Center? Maybe that's still kind of long. And, you know, she was she was a lady who was able to call me, baby. You know, she was an old African yeah. lady. And mm-hmm. she, she said, well, let me, what's your name? I said, Daryl Roberts. She said, well, well, let's call it the Roberts Family Development Center. And I said, ma'am, mm-hmm. I don't think that's what I should do because people are going to think it's an ego trip. She said, baby, mm-hmm. people are going to think it's an ego trip whether you put that on the building or not. So don't worry about people and do what you need to do. And therein came the name Roberts Family Development Center. And we have, we have been Roberts Family Development Center for now 21 years uh, mm-hmm. here in North Sac and uh, have served a little bit throughout the city of Sacramento under that, uh, mm-hmm. under that uh, title, which has been part of our legacy. Right. Now, one of the things you said is you were about change. Yes, sir. So when I think about the developing the, the Roberts Development Center, what were you looking to change when you developed that organization? So, so I was, again, having grown up professionally in Oak Park, I, I uh, uh, did youth development programs at the Urban League. I uh, ran the Oak Park Summer Basketball League that expanded to the Salvation Army. And we ran one of the largest basketball programs in the region. Uh, I was also the first executive director of St. Hope Academy, Kevin Johnson's baby, out of Oak Park. And um, with those things, as well as my community work, I really recognized the value of families being put in a positive environment. Every place I went, that was kind of the draw. So at the Salvation Army, we did basketball, but really I, I was trying to get the parents to see the beauty of having their kids in a positive environment. St. Hope Academy was just that, you know, helping our people excel. That was Kevin's uh, St. Hope uh, motto. 
And for me at the Urban League, the Urban League gave me a chance to develop programs that brought professionals into the lives of our children and families. So with those three uh, organizations background, and then I had the background of the, uh, the Oak Park Summer League, which is a basketball program that I really recognize. Mm -hmm. Parents really get off on seeing their kids and positive, doing positive things. Right. As long as you reminded, remind them that that's what the, what the environment was for, you had a ball. And we always had a ball at Salvation Army. We always ran what people called a different type of program. And for me, that's what the center is, a different type of center that provides a service to families, that, that gives them an, a positive environment for their children uh, to grow up in, uh, to, to move in, to uh, develop in, and for a place that would support their values as a family. And in some cases, you know, uh, it may sound kind of different, but we also recognize in some cases we have to establish what those values had to be community-wise in the right. center itself. And that's how we rolled and dealt with uh, how we did things. So you might hear people say that they're, they're a little different. Uh, you know, kids that go to the Robert Fan Development Center, you know, they do cuss, but they don't cuss at the center. Um, they mm -hmm. may fight, but they don't fight at the center. And that's just because those are just basic rules that we think you could you could be better than that. You can do better than that. And that's that expectation that we had growing up in the South, that I had growing up in a St. Cyr family house, household, that I know my wife had growing up in the Baldwin uh, Howard family uh, in Georgia. And you know, that's what we wanted. So for 21 years at our center, our main center on Dorena, that's what we've created. And whenever we go on a school campus, we try to create a family environment. To the point, I'm often called upon now by school district to assist them in parent engagement activities and doing parent engagement work. So that's kind of become our little a stick or our bailiwick, uh, family development specifically, but children and family development has been the way we have uh, done our work. Uh, and it also has allowed me to hire younger professionals who might want to have an impact on the, ch the lives of children and families. And we hired them and we put, put 50 to 60 a year in front of uh, young people, in front of young people, uh, so that we recognize that young people learn best from young people. The role models they pay attention to first, our parents, but the ones that they see on a consistent basis, teachers, uh, serving leader interns, what we call team leaders, those are the folks that they that they come in contact with. And those are the folks we hire to put to give them uh, a positive uh, look in life and a positive outlook on life. Well, that's great. Now, it's really interesting when you first started talking about the center, you talked about uh, the Eagle Trip of having the name on it. And let me say <laughs> that you are one of the most humble people that I know to be uh, as recognized as you are. When I think about you, I think about a line from the poem, If to walk with kings but not lose common touch. Yes, because you're able to uh, run with the big dogs, but you get down uh, eye to eye with the young people. So I definitely see that. So uh, that uh, folks, I just want you to know, this is a, a humble leader, a servant leader. So just to, to make that abundantly clear. The Thank one you. thing that I wanna follow up on, and mm -hmm. that is values with families because yeah. I work with a youth program too, and a lot of times the kids come and you wonder what's going on at home uh, because of the way that they, they behave. So when you talk about creating values, if they don't already have them, 
what are maybe two or three values that you want to instill in the people who come to your program? Well, well, honestly, I think the biggest piece is just being consistent with folks. Okay. And uh, for us, uh, as it pertains to kids, young people will do anything you ask them to do if you are consistent about it. See, the, okay. the deal for a lot of people, inconsistency is what throws off young people, as it throws off all of us. But right. that's the part we don't realize. Young people pay attention to and listen to you. And if you do a certain thing and that's what they become accustomed to, they will uh, they, they will follow you to the end of the earth. Give you mm -hmm. a real fun example. Get a kid, a uh, young white kid who grew up in the center. Um, mm -hmm. Probably when he started with the center, he's probably about eight or nine years old. Mm -hmm. And somehow or another, I got into the habit of messing with his hair. I don't know mm -hmm. what it was about him. I just messed it with his hair. Uh, he was okay. a young white, white kid, so it didn't cause his, his hair to get too messed up, right? Mm -hmm. I would mess with his hair, and, and I probably did that maybe a year or two, no joke. It's come mm -hmm. as he's getting a little older, starting to be about a preteen. You know, as boys get to be preteens, you kind of, if you don't recognize it, but boys start changing a little bit, just like girls. But boys start changing because they're paying attention to what other people are paying attention to them right. mm -hmm. So, you know. Um, I started thinking that maybe he didn't like that. So one day, literally, he came through, and I didn't do that. And I remember literally 10 minutes after he left, his mm -hmm. mom called me and said, um, in, this, in this day, they used to call me Daryl. So, Daryl, is there, was there a problem? I said, uh, what's wrong? Well, well, Dylan, which was his name, Dylan mm -hmm. thought you were upset with him. I mm -hmm. said, uh, why he thought I was upset with him? You didn't mess up his hair today. I said, oh. Mm. And what I didn't realize is that Dylan saw that as a way I connected to you. And I think okay. we don't realize how subtle that connection is for young people. Sometimes the mere fact that you see a kid on a regular basis, you you tap. I don't know if you ever seen uh, the commercials or the or the pieces where somebody does the hand, the hand clap and the teacher yeah, does that yeah. or, or the police mm -hmm. officer. That's the connection between them and the child. And we don't okay. realize that kids thrive on that. They want mm -hmm. that. They want the connection with adults who seem to care about them. And especially mm -hmm. if they accidentally mess up and, and do like, you know, we do to respect each other. You know, I respect you as much as you respect me. So mm -hmm. I appreciate you, you, you saying I'm modest, but I see you as one of those people that I have no right to be anything less than modest around you because of who you are in my, in, in my world academically. But mm -hmm. that's what it's about for me. So my yeah. consistency with people and trying to be a humble person is because I, I know that being consistent is very important. So I try mm -hmm. my best to do that. And I try to, I learned from Dylan that that was important to children. And right. that point I started talking to others about, don't be afraid to connect with kids. Don't mm -hmm. be scared to, uh, to say that you care about them or you're looking out for them or you have expectations of them. That's okay. Right. They right. love that connection. And that to me is the, the difference between Roberts. We don't have a problem connecting in that way. And I know some people, everybody does that. Okay, well, if everybody does it, let's get better at it. You know, for right. us, that's it. I don't want you yelling at a kid. I want you to high five a kid and I want you to look at them or get close enough to them that if there's, a, if there's something you got to talk about that's a disagreement, you give them a chance to hear you. You know, uh, I'm one, because I'm so tall, uh, and, and I'm not a little man, it means that I have to make sure that I don't come in banging my yelling or anything because it'll scare kids. 
And, but right. I will tell you sometime, Doc, in the, back in the day as well as today, if it's necessary, I will get your attention. Because mm -hmm. for me, there has to be order. I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm brought up in the church. And here in Sacramento, you know, Pastor uh, Ephraim William O.S. St. Paul talk about, right. talks about decent and order. And in my opinion, that's part of uh, making sure that an environment is controlled chaos. Not without chaos, but it has to be controlled and is understood that the noise you hear is designed because the kids are having fun. If you're out of a parking, you don't hear no noise. Kids ain't having fun. You know, if you're in a classroom and there's not a buzz of it, yeah, there's not a buzz to it, there's no learning really going on. When there's real learning going on, there's a buzz. Unless there's a reason for everybody to be quiet, the, the whole uh, concept of our center is to prefer, provide a space. No longer just the building, although we have this building that we're renovating. It'll be reopened in uh, July, August. But the ground's now going to be the space for our kids. We're going to have the Wi-Fi system through Comcast that will allow us to sit at the various benches on our little properties. And we're doing that on purpose because we want our kids to have a space in their neighborhood that is theirs. That's designed for them to have a ball, a great time, and for their families to feel comfortable and to be a part of it. Because I do anticipate and expect parents to play, play a role in their child's life. If you want me to play a role, I think you have to play that role as well. Now, does your program, is it after school or is it during school? How does it complement with, uh, with, with the school system? During the during the school year, after school is our primary. During the, during the pandemic, man, we were everything. <laughs> we did in school, we did after school, we have night parent meetings, we have weekend activities. Uh, we're about to do a full, full on freedom school, have 500 kids that'll be on three, four different campuses, spread out. Uh, and um, we have these at the Florida Elementary School and Sac City will be in, at Martin Luther King and Twin Rivers Unified School District and at Glenwood Elementary School and Taylor Street and Robles School District. 500 kids spread out spread apart that spread along this part of the city uh, for the purpose of being a part of Freedom School, which is the Children Defense Fund's literacy-based uh, summer program. That's an all-day piece. But typically we do our work in the after-school environment. Um, mm -hmm. And in the after-school environment, along with parent participation, that's what we do and that's who we are. So um, that and for, you know, we kind of spent off to do a couple other things right now in partnership with Dr. Andrea Moore from Sac State. Uh, mm -hmm. and um, Sonia Lewis um, of Scribe Education Services. The three of us have been working with Robla Unified School District around anti, uh, Robla Elementary School District around anti-racism work, really to address mm -hmm. the realities that when our kids are in environments where people don't really appreciate the differences they bring to the table, our kids are not doing well. And they're mm -hmm. not doing well academically, socially, or emotionally. And mm -hmm. it's important for us at this point in life for us to address those things and to require others, especially educators who are in front of our kids to understand our kids are different. No, they can't be colorblind when it comes down to our children. We, we, we want you to see the flavor they bring to the room. We want you to feel and respect the flavor they want to bring to the room, but we also want them to respect the educational environment and the environment wherever they are so that they understand that, you know, um, there's a time and place for everything. In education, there's a time and place for studying, but there's also a time and place to have fun in education environments too. And we want to make sure that people remember, our, we have kids. We don't have robots. We don't send robots to schools. We send our children to schools. And it's important that the educational environment understands that. So I've been doing a little bit of that. 
uh, working with districts, uh, Twin Rivers, I'm working with them with uh, connecting with their African-American parent base, um, meeting with them on a monthly basis, really to make them more and more aware of the need for them to be visible in their child's school. Because that's the beauty that of my life. You know, my mom was visible at, at Nelson Elementary School in New Orleans, Louisiana. She was, you know, my elementary school had Elizabeth Roberts at every grade. She had kids in every grade. So she was a volunteer in nearly every classroom doing something on campus during the school year. That was her. Uh, in some ways, that was her job until my dad and her split up uh, because mm -hmm. that's what she did best. But her presence mattered. And for us, that's why education was so important because my mom was in the environment. Um, and that's, that's because other parents, that would encourage parents yeah. to just get more involved with they should be. That's what we need to do. You know, um, parents have to remember that educators are a part of their child's educational life, educational mm -hmm. experience. Parents are part of the educational experience. The church is a part of area. The community is a part of the educational experience. Field trips, local field trips. And again, it don't have to be going to Yosemite. Go to uh, the park. Uh, go to McKinley Park. Uh, go, mm -hmm. go to Miller's Park. Go to places that you have not been to with your child. Take mm -hmm. library. Take a public bus. Get off the bus and enjoy life. Enjoy the city where you're at. We have too many kids who don't know anything about downtown and live in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that parents can do. They don't. You don't have to spend a lot. You just have to invest a lot of time. And a lot of time is what our kids have earned because you had them. And as I always tell that's people... Fun. You had all that fun to have them children, then you should help everybody who is working with them now to appreciate them as a child, as they develop and grow. Uh, I had that joke with many of parents when we had a parent meeting. I always tell them, I'm here as your partner. Remember, you had all that the fun to have that child. I had none of that fun. <laughs> Until one day a grandmother said to me, you know, Mr. Roberts, you and me are tight though. I said, yeah, grandma, we're not gonna tell everybody our business. Because you know, but uh, and that was her joking for me, and I'm glad she laughed because it like did I not? Right. But it's you know, it's it, the funny thing about about all of this for me is mm -hmm. I don't think people realize I enjoyed this. I right. had fun it. Uh, maybe when people see me, that's the part that they recognize I'm I'm enjoying this. I don't get caught up in you know trying to be important because I'm I'm too busy enjoying the moments that are occurring, like when a kid who you didn't think was going to go finish high school becomes a valedictorian and the class speaker, as I did uh, two weeks ago when Jeremiah Gage graduated from high school, you know, because not every kid you meet, you think gonna make it. Cause some at that moment when you're working with them, it's like, man, you're not listening. You making this hard. You making your grandmother's life hard. You making mom like hard. You, could, you, dad, you got dad getting great. And at some point, if we stay with our kids, it clicks. And that's right. the hope. Just like for all of us, I don't I don't know when it clicked for you, but I know for me in about the seventh eighth grade it made sense that college made sense. It might have been the fact that you know the the alphas from uh, from Dilla took me over to uh, the dorm area and I noticed the girls' dorm was right next to the boys' dorm. Right. I'm going to college. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to college. Let me shift gears on you just for a yeah. minute here because this is what I ask all my 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 guests and I want our listeners to hear. What is the toughest situation you faced and how did you handle it? Oh, Lord, damn, Doc. Um, my toughest situation was to be exposed for not being perfect. About mm -hmm. two years ago, our uh, fiscal 
uh, part of the center was being challenged and questioned by the general public. And it was in a political climate, but it was still being happening. And the reality was that we were, we were guilty of not being ready for the growth that occurred. We grew too mm. fast as an organization and our foundation wasn't strong. Right. Fiscally, as, you, as a nonprofit, you gotta have a strong financial base to grow. Mm -hmm. Because you may right. get two or three contracts before you know it, you're bringing in a million dollars and employing 20 people and doing mm -hmm. all those things that you need to do. But if you're not crossing uh, the T's and dotting the I's, taking care of the paperwork that's needed, you run afoul of, of the rules and regulations. And we did. Right. Uh, it took a minute, it, it kind of hurt because you know I had a couple people who, who in their own infinite wisdom decided to question me publicly. And I couldn't mm -hmm. really respond at that point. Later on I realized well, in some cases, that was because of policy. The other case was that you get haters. And mm -hmm. not everybody's happy that you're doing well. And I just right. had to accept that because I'm just, you know, I'm different, man. You know, I, I want, I'm, I'm cheering you on for everything that you do, sir. Every every accolade you get, I'm saying, good job. You know, you know that's right. what I was, that's the way I was taught. And that's how I am with, with nearly everybody. You know, there are a couple of people that made me question, do I need to cheer you on? And maybe I just don't, I don't boo you. But that's the difference for me. And I think that I'm accustomed to that and I expect people to do that. So when that occurred, that was a little hard, you know. Right. Um, so the thing, the, the take home message that, that it sounds like is you grew too fast, but you learned overcome it by adjusting to those two things. So that's how you overcame it. That's what I want our listeners to know that they may run into something like this. Yeah. And uh, and you and so they can you can help them foresee that possibility mm -hmm. and how to address it, which I think is that that area of redemption is just so mm -hmm. important. I am a phone call away for anybody who is thinking about doing a nonprofit work. Uh, happy mm -hmm. to talk with them about it. Talk to them about growth. Talk to them about taking care of accounting, making sure that they know all the reports that are needed to be done for them, and also where to go to make sure that they get the factual information you need. You know, uh, growing up in New Orleans and, and being a uh, black male, you play dominoes, and you know that dude that that throws down all money ain't good money. And right. He said, nah, I'm not. And that's what it is. It's just recognizing that you grow, that every opportunity isn't the right opportunity for you at that time. It may right. not be unless you're prepared. And then dominoes, yep. You one thing I have to say is our 30 minutes is almost up. Oh man. Yeah, like good. I said, it goes fast. I've, so I've what, I want, what I want you to do is, if people want to follow up, get to know more about you or more about your organization, mm -hmm. Where should they call? What is your website? How do people get a hold of you? A few quick ones. Uh, they can always call our office, 916-646-6631. That's 916-646-6631. Organization is Roberts Family Development Center. Not Robert's son, because I have a daughter, not a son. Robert's Family Development Center. Um, RobertsFDC.org is our website. RobertsF dc.org is our website um and before i go i need to say hi to my daughter two granddaughters and son-in-law because that's part of uh part of my world as well i'm very fortunate to be a big papa and i heard you say a little earlier that your grandkids were visiting you so i know how that makes you feel absolutely absolutely yes. well daryl thank you so much for being my guest the time just went by just too fast enjoy and it, so 
we'll have you back one more time just to do uh, a part two. Anytime so, you like uh, I'd come back to you. Well, thank you so much. And folks, this is WRM Work Relationships Matters. I'm your host, the Edward Jones, a certified life coach and host of this podcast. My motto is work relationships work for those who work on them. If you want to learn more about my coaching business, go to www.prodestinycoaching.com. That's www.prodestinycoaching.com to learn more about my coaching practice because that's my website. I have blogs on there and I also have a, uh, a survey about work situations. So look forward to hearing from you. Have a great day. Okay, we're technically out. Uh, but the tape is still rolling. Uh, but I want to do the debrief. Is there anything? Uh, well, first of all, let me let you know that yeah. this is will be on Apple Podcast on Spotify. Okay. Okay. Uh, and after I get uh, a certain number, they can be on iHeartRadio. So I will give you more information about that, about when when things drop, as they say in the business. And if you when you do that, I also put it on my Facebook page, and I'll push it out as well. You know, I have a I have a little bit of a little bit of following out there. I I I know that. So yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yes, sir. So that's good. But anything, any questions, anything that you wanted to share? I enjoyed uh, it. Thank you. I really did. I, I, you know, I enjoyed talking to you. Your questions were interesting. I uh, hope that I covered what you needed to get covered. No, it, it was great. I, I think, and I do believe that uh, other people who hear this, uh, I, I, anything that helps to develop the family, oh, yeah. I think is important. And yeah. The one thing that you alluded to is that the center is diverse. Your population yeah. is diverse, which I think is mm -hmm. very important as you talk about how to deal with uh, mm -hmm. the current climate. Yeah. Well, you know, let me let me be let me be honest with you. I'm probably much less diverse than I than I talk about because honestly, mm -hmm. I'm probably about eighty percent black. Um, okay. Include uh, probably about seventy five percent of the kids that I that I serve are black. 80% mm -hmm. of the folks that I employ are black. And that's right. fairly intentional. And that's because of the days I would come on campus and no matter what happened, I always seemed to be attracted, attractive to black students. And anytime mm -hmm. I came in, the, and maybe it's because you provided, uh, you, uh, Dr. Green, um, um, uh, Dr. Moore later on. Right. I'm sorry, gave me those, gave me those spaces um, mm -hmm. where I could, you know, speak or talk to classes. And, you know, Al Brown back in the day. I mean, I, you know, right. Dr. Uh, Dr. Turner, you name it. I mean, Otis, Otis Scott uh, just, mm -hmm. just gave me a chance to just stop in. And, and, and for a lot of folks, I was a young cat doing work and they were just allowed to come in and talk about what I was doing. So mm -hmm. I got a, I, I had a pretty easy path to connecting with, especially Sac State, Sac State mm -hmm. Sac City students, you know, so when I began doing this work, I had, you know, a ready set of uh, African-American students who wanted to work with us. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty much stayed that way. Cooper Woodson School, you know, right. on campus. Uh, the the uh, Emoji uh, Project uh, through, um, um, through Jerry Marshall at ARC and CRC. You know, mm -hmm. those have been, you know, Sac City, um, the Emoja, the Emoja uh, Project. It's just, it's just been that way for me. Um, so, right. I, I have to intentionally, as I did this summer, intentionally go mm -hmm. out of my way 
to connect with Latino students specifically. And I always right. want a white kid or two to put them in our world because of diversity. Right. But I yeah. recognize, quite honestly, I am truly the beneficiary of being a tall, good-looking black man, just like you. <laughs> right. Well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, you got you to use everything you got, man. You got it, bro. Well, you know, I mean, what I mean, and what I mean by that is being being somebody who see, people see somewhat visible uh-huh. in Sacramento, so they. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.